to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a scary bedtime story. For any new listeners, if you aren't a fan of the ads, you can join Patreon, and for $1 a month, you get ad-free episodes. There are some other tiers, too, with some other perks as well, if you'd like to check that out. This week, our author is Warren Benedetto. Warren writes short fiction about horrible people doing horrible things. He is a full member of the SFWA and has published stories and publications such as Dark Matter Magazine and The Dread Machine on podcasts such as The No Sleep Podcast, Tales to Terrify, and The Creepy Podcast, a friend of ours here at Scary to Sleep, and in the anthologies from Scare Street, Ghost Orchid Press, Eerie River Publishing, Sinister Smile Press, and more. He is also the developer of Stay Focused, the world's most popular anti-procrastination app for writers. Wow, I think I need to look into Stay Focused. He built it while procrastinating. For more information, visit www.warrenbenedetto.com. I'll have it linked in the show notes, and you can follow Warren Benedetto on Twitter. I will also have that linked in the show notes. Well, dear listener, I hope you don't have ornithophobia, because this week's story is They Say Crows Can Remember Faces. The stone hit Ava in the back of the head. She stumbled and fell, spilling her school books out of her arms and onto the dirt road in front of her. Gravel dug into her palms as she threw out her hands to break her fall. Her knees skidded painfully across the ground. Have a nice trip. A boy's voice called out from behind her to a chorus of laughter. See you next fall. Ava brushed her long, black hair out of her face. She was hollow-boned and delicate, looking far younger than her eleven years. Her dark eyes welled with tears. She quickly wiped them away with the frayed cuff of her sweater. A chilly autumn wind blew across the Kansas field, causing the corn stalks lining the road to whisper in the breeze. Somewhere in the distance, faint and far away, A gas-powered tractor growled. It was probably from Mr. Conklin's farm. He was the only farmer in the area who was wealthy enough to own a tractor. But it didn't matter. He wasn't close enough to help her. Nobody was. She was on her own. A group of kids about her age, two girls and a boy, ran past her. One of the girls stuck out her tongue. The other laughed. Their shoes kicked up clouds of dust into Ava's face as they passed. The girls were sisters, Sarah and Beth Winters. They were pretty and clean, with crisp red bows tied in their flaxen hair. They were the kind of girls who had everything they needed and got everything they wanted. They never had to ask for anything twice. They wore matching blue dresses, with warm red sweaters. 
that looked like they were bought from a department store. Not handmade, like Ava's shapeless brown smock. They weren't twins. Sarah was two years older than Beth, but they were inseparable. Even now, they held hands as they skipped away into the distance. Ava hated them both, equally. The boy was Carl. He must have had a last name, but Ava didn't know it. It didn't matter. There was only one Carl. He was a lumbering giant, easily a foot taller than anyone else in the class, with an oversized head that reminded Ava of a rotten pumpkin. His ruddy cheeks were sunburned and freckled from a long summer of torturing rabbits and stoning squirrels. He had icy blue-gray eyes, the color of the sky before a winter storm. His belly hung over his belt, straining the buttons of his denim shirt. He was big and stupid and mean and cruel. Not in that order. Ava touched her fingers to the back of her head, where the stone had hit her. It wasn't a big stone, but it was angular and sharp enough to draw blood. She drew her fingers away. Her scalp didn't seem to be bleeding too much. The wound would scab up just fine. But it was enough to bring on a fresh swell of tears. She swallowed hard, choking back a sob. No, she thought. No crying. Not this time. She was angry. At them, yes, but also at herself. She should have heard them coming. She was off in her own world again, like an idiot. She should have known they were behind her. They usually were. Sometimes they left her alone, if she was far enough ahead of them. But if she was in range, throwing distance or shouting distance, depending on the day, they rarely passed up the chance to torment her. Especially Carl. In the winter, he threw snowballs. The rest of the year, it was rocks or rotten fruit or worse. A few weeks ago, he threw a dead rat he found on the side of the road. He picked it up by the tail, holding it at arm's length as he hurried to catch up with Ava, then slung it at her from close range. It slapped her on the side of the face, exploding in a putrescent eruption of maggot-infested entrails. The squirming, blood-blackened mass slid down her face and onto her shoulder, then rolled down her chest, onto the ground. Ava gagged at the smell, hot vomit spilling from her lips and down the front of her dress. Compared to that experience... Ava preferred the rocks. They hurt more, but at least she didn't have to spend the rest of the day at school stinking of puke and decay. Once Carl and the two Winter sisters were far enough down the road, Ava picked herself up off the ground, brushed the dirt and gravel from her scraped knees, and gathered up her books. She would be late for school again. Mrs. Harrison would be angry, as usual. Ava would try to explain, but she knew the stodgy old teacher would hear none of it. She would put Ava alone in the corner, at the front of the room, facing the rest of the class, 
under the painting of the Jesus and the Apostles at the Last Supper. The prayer corner, she called it, where she expected, commanded, that Ava pray for forgiveness for her sins. Ava never did. Look, she's doing it again, Carl said. He took a huge bite of a sandwich, his third. It was lunchtime. The students were out on the playground behind their one-room schoolhouse, playing on wooden equipment, handcrafted by the church's men's club during a series of sweat-soaked, prayer-fueled summer Saturdays. There were swings, some seesaws, a metal slide, and various other play structures. Carl sat atop a large wooden wall made from stacked logs. Sarah and Beth sat on either side of him, swinging their legs. Other children of various ages were clustered in small groups around the yard, playing jacks, jumping rope, swinging and seesawing. Everyone except Ava. She was alone in the corner of the playground, by the edge of the wood, staring up into a tree, talking. She's so weird, Sarah stage whispered. Beth squinted her eyes against the glare of the sun. Who's she talking to? Not who, what, Sarah corrected. Carl pointed one thick-knuckled finger. In the tree, he said, through a soggy mouthful of food. See the crow? Sure enough, a large crow was perched on the branch above Ava's head. It looked down at her, head cocked to the side, listening. Ava pulled a small piece of bread from the slice in her hand and tossed it up to the bird. The crow caught it in midair and gulped it down greedily. Maybe it knows her, Beth offered. She leaned out so she could see Sarah on the other side of Carl's protruding belly. Like Uncle Jeff's bird, remember? Right, it knows her, Carl replied sarcastically. Sarah nodded in agreement with Beth. It could. Crows can remember faces. Our mom said so. Uncle Jeff used to always feed the same crow whenever he came over to our house, Beth added. He'd get out of his truck, and a minute later, this huge black crow would swoop down right to his shoulder looking for bread. He used to keep a slice in his shirt pocket just for that. It probably wasn't the same one, Carl mumbled. Sure was, Beth said, defensive. How many people do you know that have a crow land on their shoulder? Okay, then. Carl lifted his sandwich in the air in a mock salute. To Uncle Jeff, world's best scarecrow. Beth punched him playfully in the arm, laughing. (laughs) You're the worst. Carl finished chewing, licked his fingers clean, then wiped them on his pants. His expression turned serious. He nodded towards Ava. She was still looking up in the tree, talking to the crow. You know what I think, 
I think she's a witch. Like her mom. Her mom's a witch? Beth asked, surprised. She shot a questioning look at Sarah to confirm. Sarah rolled her eyes. Oh great, this again. Everybody knows it, Carl insisted. Ask my dad. Remember a few years ago when all our sheep died? You said wolves did that, Sarah reminded him. Their eyes were ripped out, Carl exclaimed. Wolves don't do that. Not normal ones anyway. What does then? Beth asked, wide-eyed. She was hanging on Carl's every word. Sarah whispered to Carl, just out of Beth's earshot. Stop! You're scaring her! Carl ignored Sarah. Instead, explaining to Beth. Witches talk to animals. They tell them to do things. Use them to get back at people they don't like. That's what her mom did to us. But why? My dad says she's jealous. She used to be sweet on him. Still is, he says. If Ava's a witch, then why doesn't she look like one? Sarah asked, challenging him. She doesn't need to. Real witches look normal, just like us, but they're not. Maybe he's right, Beth said. Maybe she is. Her voice was full of awe. Sarah kicked at Carl. Great, now she believes you. She shook her head. She's not, she said to Beth. He's just joshing you. There's no such thing. No? Carl jumped down from the climbing wall, landing with a thud. Okay, let's ask her. Carl, don't... Sarah began, but Carl was already loping over to Ava. He thrust his hands deep in his pockets, trying to project an aura of innocent curiosity. Hey, Ava! He called. What you doing? Ava froze. She quickly averted her eyes away from the crow, casting them downwards. She towed the ground with one foot, but didn't turn around. Nothing. Can you help us with something? Carl asked, his voice honey-sweet. Sarah and Beth and me? He motioned towards the sisters, who were still perched on top of the log wall. Sarah beckoned to Carl to come back. He shook his head and held up his finger. One minute. Ava didn't respond, so Carl continued. That bird up there. He nodded towards the crow, still perched on the branch overhead. He peered down at them with focused attention, as if eavesdropping on their conversation. Were you just talking to it? Still no response from Ava. Carl put his hands on his knees and leaned in close to Ava's face, trying to look her in the eye. What are you two talking about, huh? Ava's lips moved imperceptibly, her voice barely audible. 
Carl cupped his hand to one ear and raised his voice. What's that? Couldn't hear ya. He's my friend, Ava said, slightly louder this time. Your friend? Carl said, incredulous. He laughed loudly, slapping his knee. Ava flinched at the sound. You're one and only, I bet. Ava didn't answer. Does he talk back? Carl leaned in closer, leering, taunting. What does he say? Does he tell you he likes you? Does he tell you you're pretty? Ava's cheeks flushed. Hot crimson patches spread across her chest and up her neck. Hey, you know who talks to animals? Carl said brightly, tapping his head as if the idea had just occurred to him. Witches. You're not a witch, are you? Ava shook her head slowly. How about your mom? Is she a witch? Ava shook her head again. You're sure? I won't tell. Ava nodded. Okay. Good. Just wanted to check. Carl straightened up, cracked his neck, then started to walk away. Ava seemed to relax. She glanced up at the bird. Suddenly, Carl cupped his hands around his mouth and shouted across the playground. Hey, everybody. It's okay. Ava says she's not a witch. Her mom, too, also not a witch. Other kids in the playground looked towards Carl, wondering what the shouting was about. Some snickered among themselves. Others pointed at Ava and laughed. Ava bowed her head, allowing her hair to fall over her face, shielding herself from their stares. They're just friends, Ava and the crow. Best friends. Carl, stop! Sarah called. Leave her alone! Carl walked back over towards the log wall, a grin on his face. You're such a spoil sport. It's just not funny, that's all. Carl glanced back over at Ava. She was sitting on the ground, hugging her knees to her chest, staring at her shoes. The crow glided down from the tree and landed at her feet. It pecked the dirt around her, picking up stray breadcrumbs. Watch this, Carl said. He reached down and scooped up a rock from the playground sand. It was heavy and round, about the size of a golf ball. Don't! Sarah hissed. You're going to get us in trouble! Carl snorted derisively. (laughs) He gripped the rock like a split-finger fastball, then whipped its sidearm towards Ava. The rock sliced through the air with deadly precision and caught the crow square on the side of the head instantly shattering its delicate skull and rupturing its eye. Ava recoiled backward, shocked by the sudden violence of the impact. The crow flopped over on its side. One of its wings extended at a crooked angle and gave a single, weak flap. Carl pumped his fist in excitement. Yes! Direct hit! When Ava recovered enough to realize what happened, 
she let out an agonizing cry. No! She gathered up the broken bird in her arms and cradled it on its back like a mother holding a newborn. The crow's head rotated loosely and grotesquely on its broken neck. Ava slipped her palm under its head, supporting it. Carl stepped closer, looking down over Ava's shoulder at the dying bird. Its skull was split wide open, crimson-flecked white bone standing out in stark contrast to its black feathers. Thick ropes of blood and gore oozed from the wound, mixing with a clear fluid, leaking from its destroyed eye. The crow looked up at Ava with its one good eye. It blinked once, its pupil turning white, then black again. Its beak opened and closed silently a few times, then stopped. It was dead. Sarah started climbing down from her perch on the wall. Come on, Beth, she said, tugging her sister's hem, before we get in trouble. Beth followed her sister to the ground. Sarah regarded Carl with disgust. You didn't have to do that. It wasn't hurting anyone. Oh, stop. What's the big deal? It's just a bird. Sarah grabbed her younger sister's hand and pulled her towards the schoolhouse. Let's go. Really? Carl called after them. You guys! Come on, you guys! They ignored him and walked hand in hand into the school. Carl looked down at Ava. She was hugging the bird's lifeless body to her chest, rocking it slowly and whispering to it, Burn in hell, witch! Then he ran off to catch up with Sarah and Beth. Ava didn't acknowledge him. Her eyes were fixed on a second crow, high overhead, silhouetted against the afternoon sun as it circled over the playground, watching. After class, Carl changed from his school clothes to his regular at-home attire, a pair of denim overalls over a dingy white t-shirt, and a pair of square-toed black boots with heavy rubber soles. He had chores to do. School was back in session, which meant winter was only a few short weeks away. Already, the days were getting shorter, and the sun was setting earlier. The nights were chilly. Soon they would be freezing, and his father would need to heat the wood stove to keep their small house warm. It was up to Carl to ensure they had enough firewood to make it through the season. That meant spending long hours splitting logs and stacking the wood in the shed behind the house, where it would stay dry until it was needed. It was hard work, but Carl found comfort in it. He liked the weight of the axe, the way it arced through the air and split the logs so easily. It made him feel strong. Carl's house was nestled back in the woods, 
a hundred yards or more from the road. It was a tiny three-room shack with leaded windows and a rusted tin roof, hand-built by his father from the trees he felled in the forest. A small stream trickled nearby. Occasionally, Carl would fish in the stream, but mostly he just pissed in it, when nobody was looking, of course. Nobody was looking now. So, Carl embedded his axe in the chopping block, ambled over to the stream, unzipped his fly, and directed a spray of urine into the slow-moving water. He whistled tunelessly. His eyes wandered across the trees on the waterline, until they settled on a thick branch that extended from a tall, crooked oak on the other side of the stream. Sitting on the branch was a large crow. It ruffled its feathers, then peered down at Carl. What? Carl sneered. You want this? He moved his hips in a circle, pissing a ring into the water. The crow said. Then, with incredible quickness, it launched itself off the branch and swooped directly at Carl's head. Carl ducked sideways, gasping in surprise, his boots squelched in the soft mud of the stream bank. He lost his balance and fell hard, smacking his tailbone on the rocks embedded in the dirt. His head hit the ground with a dull thud, a cry of pain and shock spit from his lips. God damn it! What the hell? Mumbling under his breath, he sat up and rubbed his hand across the back of his head. There was no blood, thank God. He brushed the dirt and leaves out of his hair, then scanned the trees overhead for the bird. It was gone. He pulled himself to his feet, zipped his fly, then surveyed the damage. His overalls were soaked up the back with foul-smelling mud, from his ankles to his asshole. More mud was smeared across the backs of both of his arms. His boots were waterlogged. Great, he thought. Now I'm in for it. If his father saw what a mess he was, he'd tan Carl's hide for sure. Carl trudged across the yard, unbuckling his overalls as he went. He'd need to strip down, rinse his clothes in the pump from the well, then hang them on the line to dry. Carl sat down on the chopping block, unlaced his boots, and tugged them off his feet. Then he peeled off the heavy, mud-soaked denim, dropping it in a wet pile on the ground. He retrieved a wooden bucket from a rusty hook on the side of the woodshed, gathered his overalls in the bucket, then carried it over to the black iron water pump nearby. He started working the pump handle. After a minute or so, water began to trickle, then pour from the curved metal mouth of the pump's spout. Carl ran one arm under the water, then the other, rinsing away the now dried mud. He cupped some water into his mouth and splashed some on his face. The water was ice cold, with a coppery metallic tinge that reminded him of how a bloody lip tasted. He patted his face dry on his t-shirt, then opened his eyes. Mere inches away, 
A crow was perched on the water pump, studying him. It was eerily still, focused. Jesus! Carl swatted at the crow. The bird hopped backward down the pump handle and flapped its wings to maintain its balance. But it didn't flee. If anything, it seemed even less afraid. Get out of here! The bird just glared at him its coal black eyes sparkling with fearless defiance. In an instant, three more crows had descended from a nearby tree, landing on the ground a few feet in front of Carl. Fuck off! He kicked at the wooden bucket, knocking it over in their direction. Leave me alone! His soaking overalls tumbled out of the bucket onto the ground. A flood of water rolled towards the birds. They calmly lifted into the air until it passed, then settled back down on the sodden grass. Then they, too, began to call. Several more crows called out in response. Within seconds, the three crows on the ground were joined by five more, then ten, then twenty. The calls grew louder as their numbers multiplied, in turn drawing even more. Some emerged from the woods, others materialized on the horizon, silhouetted against the fading autumn light. They perched all around Carl, high and low, on trees and on the ground on the roof of the house, and on the woodshed. All of them calling, their cries overlapping. As they multiplied, their calls started to morph into something different. It didn't sound like they were screaming caw anymore. It sounded like they were screaming Carl. Carl looked around wildly. The crows were closing in on all sides. A maelstrom of shadows swooping and circling in ever-tighter formation around him. They blotted out the sky above, leaving nothing visible overhead but a roiling ocean of black feathers. Carl picked up the wooden bucket and hurled it at the birds in front of him. Crows in its path dipped and swerved to avoid the projectile, then quickly reassembled in the same formation, circling him closer and closer. The crow on the water pump was the first to strike. It launched itself like a rifle shot aimed right at Carl's head. Carl threw up his arms to shield his face. The crow's beak struck his forearm, carving a thick slice through the freckled flesh. Fresh blood surged from the wound. Carl turned to run, but he found his path blocked by still more crows. He kicked and swung at them, feeling his hands and arms connecting with their bodies, their hollow bones collapsing on impact. But there were too many. Their beaks tore at his arms, his legs, his torso. Others launched themselves at his head, at his face. Carl stumbled backward. His feet tangled in the soaking overalls on the ground, twisting his leg at an unnatural angle. As he fell, his shin bones snapped 
with a sickening crack, loud enough to be heard even above the din of the crow's calls. The splintered end of the broken bone tore through his skin. He hit the ground hard, fracturing his ribs and knocking the wind from his lungs. He gasped for air, clutching at his leg and screamed. Then, the crows were upon him. Ava lay on the cot in her bedroom, listening in the distance. She could hear the cries of a dozen crows. Hundreds, maybe. And something else, almost lost in the cacophony. Screams. Suddenly, there was a tapping on her window. Ava sat up and swung her feet to the floor. The cot spring squeaked with relief as she stood. She glided across the room and peered through the dusty glass. She smiled. There, on the roof outside the window, was a crow. It held something round and white in its beak. An eye. Ava opened the window. The crow placed the eye delicately on the windowsill, then stepped back. The eye rolled towards Ava. She picked it up and examined it in her palm. The orb was grayish-white, with fine red blood vessels spidering throughout. The short stub of severed optic stalk protruded from the back. The iris of the eye was an icy blue-gray, the color of the sky before a winter storm. Ava said to the crow. The crow blinked, then bowed his head, inviting Ava to pet it. Ava reached out and gently ruffled the feathers on the back of the bird's neck. Now, she continued, bring me the other. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much to Warren Benedetto again for this story. It was... So fun to produce. Um, I know I say that often, but they always are. I love bringing life to these stories. And if you'd like to be considered for the show, for me to bring life to your story, you can send it to scarytosleep at gmail.com. There's also a contact submission form on my website. Just beware, though, um, it's been sending some of those to spam or my promotions folder. I don't know why it's not all of them, just some of them. So that's fun. I don't ever know when I try to check it out, uh, make sure I catch them all, but I don't know if I do because my promotions folder, as I'm sure the rest of you are, it's full chock full of just like, well, promotions. So sometimes they get buried in there. I try to find them, but just so you know, if you've sent something through the contact submission form, um, it might've gotten lost Uh, or sometimes it also formats really poorly so if you do have a story that has some uh, specific like pauses or any sort of you know formatting um, then I would also send it through email because it kind of just makes it into a block of text so I can't ever see where your paragraphs end and it's just you know it's all that stuff so just so you're aware Um, 
Yeah, let's see. Um, this week I baked sugar cookies. Um, the sugar cookie recipe I've mentioned so many times before on the show. It's my favorite ever. It's uh, amazing. And um, yeah, I made those this week because I just wanted something simple and something that I makes a lot so I could freeze half the dough so I can make them again at a friend's house this weekend. <laughs> uh, they're that good. They're very, very good. You can have them twice in one week, I swear. Um, so what else is there to talk? Oh, I will be again at pod movement podcast movement in dallas on I, my panel is on august 24th but i'm going to be there all week so i'll be around there if you would like to say hi um if you're a fellow podcaster the app you can also like schedule time with me through the app so that's kind of fun um i got a, an alert from someone who was like i'd like to schedule time with you and i was like what is what is what's happening <laughs> i just came from another con like midsummer scream you could look at all the events and schedule events, but you couldn't schedule people. But this is a networking convention, um, which is to say also, if you're there to just, you know, to fan out about people, it's honestly, it'd be really hard. It's a very networky. I went to uh, briefly to the one in LA this year for a small thing put on from, from my host company, ACAST. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun though. I'm hosting a panel with John Grills and Pacific Obadiah and very excited so if you will be there or if you are into networking and learning about podcast stuff um stop by it's on august 24th at 12 or 12 30 some one of one of those noon or noon 30 um so yeah i don't have much to talk about this week to ramble about this week i'm trying to save some things too because i need to do august's uh ramble episode again if you're new for patreon I also do a ramble you to sleep about once a month where I just ramble about life or whatever topics you ask me to and yeah ramble about all that good stuff it's not scary necessarily um I guess sometimes it it might be scary at some point I it hasn't been so far I don't think but um yeah so there's that um patreon I'm going to be coming out with some new stuff soon um yeah ramble Frankenstein. I still owe you Frank the rest of Frankenstein. Um, I'm going to be doing, I think the next ramble video. In fact, I'm going to say it on the show. So I have to hold myself to this because I want to do more video content. The next ramble will be a video. Um, and I'll try to also, I think Patreon lets me upload video plus an audio file. If not, I'll make two separate posts. But if for those of you who just still want to listen, you can those of you who want to uh, toss me up on the big screen, you also can. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to get better at video stuff. I want to pad out the the YouTube channel and do more stuff like that. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, that's all over at Patreon, though. Um, oh, there is some big news coming down the tube for my Spanish-speaking listeners or those of you who are trying to learn Spanish, which I have, I need to get better at. It's part of my heritage. <laughs> um, I, I would love to uh, be able to speak to my grandmother in her first language. That would be pretty neat. But anyway, I don't want to give away too much yet, even though today I found out a lot of stuff that's very exciting. Um, it seems very, a lot of it seems set in stone, but I want to wait until we're a little closer to the launch date to tell you more about this opportunity 
or this event. No, this new thing for, again, my Spanish speaking or those who would like to learn Spanish uh, listeners. Yeah, so I think I'm going to end it there. I think I, uh, I am going to go eat an apple pie from McDonald's because it was brought to me and it's Friday night. Woohoo. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I go drink water. It's been very, very hot. Oh, if anyone was wondering about the kitten, she's great. In fact, she was here on my desk while I recorded a lot of this until she used my shoulder as a launch pad. And now I have some pretty cool scratches <laughs> on the back of my shoulder. Um, but she's doing great. I'm actually taking her on a play date tomorrow with a friend of mine adopted a kitten on the same day as I did. I actually, I, I don't know if I told anyone said this on the show, but I actually went with her to adopt a kitten and there was no plan for me to adopt a kitten, but it just happened. It happened. <laughs> so taking Clara on a little, uh, play date tomorrow. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, so yeah, anyway, I will let you go. So drink your water again, go get some sleep, sweet dreams.